Listen. Just listen. I'm Megan Steelstra, and this is the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theatre Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, and always thought-provoking. And now, Second Story storyteller, Dr. Larry Kearns. It all started with that huge thunderstorm last June. Lightning hit the shagbark hickory tree at the end of our driveway and my wife saw it on her way out. I hate to give you the bad news, Lair, but there's a tree down here by the road that's about to fall on somebody. That's not bad news. That's great news. The boys and I can chop it down and use the wood to build the cabin. I'd actually been looking for a tree to chop down with an axe the way Thoreau did so I could build a replica of his cabin in our backyard with my teenage kids. But my wife says, you'd better call some tree guys to take care of it. She doesn't really get the point of the cabin project to get closer to nature to simplify our lives and to avoid leading lives of massive desperation. We don't need any tree guys. The boys and I will chop it down in a jiffy. Larry, I'm late and I'm only gonna say this once. You need to get some professional help. While my sons drag themselves out of bed, I hop on the internet to research the proper technique for felling a tree. According to the loggingLife.com, the hard part isn't making the cut, it's knowing where to make the cut. When I've read enough to get the gist of it, we're ready to go. Three guys, an ax, and a dead hickory tree. As we walk across the yard, the sun is burning the rain from the ground and making the air thick. When it was far away, the tree didn't look that big. But like any do-it-yourself project, the closer we get, the more I realize we may have bitten off more than we can chew. It's as big around as a telephone pole on steroids and twice as tall. My younger son, Peter, says, why don't we use a chainsaw? because we're doing this the natural way, and a chainsaw is unnatural. As a matter of fact, Thoreau himself once said, how you do anything is how you do everything. Oh no, not the how you do anything talk again. That's my older son, Andrew. He's been anti-nature ever since we sent him on an outward bound trip for oppositional boys. It means that dad wants us to do things his way. No, it means that if you do a good job on the little things in life, you'll do a good job on the big things in life. Now, just between you and me, Thoreau didn't actually say that. I think maybe the Buddha said it, but I'm trying to get them in a Thoreauvian mood, so I tell them he said it. 
So then I try to explain to the boys how to fell a tree. We'll cut, cut one notch halfway through the front side and then another notch halfway through the back side and that tree will fall right over there where we want it. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, Andrew says. Who cares where it falls, Peter says. Just give me that hatchet. First of all, it's not a hatchet. It's an ax. And second of all, I care where it falls, and so should you. You guys aren't taking this seriously enough. An ax is not a toy, and felling a tree is not a game. This is a life or death situation. Does mom know we're in a life or death situation? <laughs> Basically. I try to tell Peter about picking an escape route, but he grabs the axe and starts hacking away. Chunks of bark and wood chips are flying everywhere. Take a shorter swing, Peter, and always control your axe. He just keeps chopping. The man who controls his axe, I say, trying to think of something profound. Something like Thoreau would say. Controls his destiny, Peter says. What the hell does that mean, Andrew shouts. It's a metaphor, you moron. And don't forget, I add, how you do anything is how you do everything I know, Dad, I know. And he takes a tremendous swing, misses the tree entirely, and spins around like a top. 20 minutes later, he stops. He's drenched in sweat, and the tree looks barely nibbled at. There must be something wrong with this axe. Andrew swaggers over. There's nothing wrong with that axe, you loser. Give it to me and I'll show you how it's done. He spreads his feet like a home run slugger and lays into that hickory with a vengeance. Chopping fast and hard at first, he gets slower and slower until he finally stops, thumps the steel head on the ground and says, I think he's right, Dad. There must be something wrong with this axe. There's nothing wrong with the axe. It's sharp enough to shave with. But chopping down a hickory tree is slow, hard work. And these kids just don't understand hard work. Come on, Dad. Why don't we bust out the chainsaw? Because Thoreau didn't bust out a chainsaw. If Thoreau could chop down a tree, we can chop down a tree. Maybe he only chopped down a little tree. Yeah, but he chopped down a bunch of them, and a bunch of little trees is the same as one big tree. I realize as I'm saying this that it's probably not true, but I'm trying to case, make a case for perseverance. I take the ax from Andrew. Now, I'm not the kind of father who enjoys showing up his sons. Frankly, I'd rather have my sons show me up, but sometimes a father's got to do what a father's got to do with my left hand on the butt of the handle and my right hand on the neck I swing the axe down and across a smooth controlled swing that takes a satisfying chunk out of the copper colored wood I repeat the three part motion again and again back down release back down, release. The hickory chips are flying. The sound of axe biting wood echoes around us. I'm in a rhythm now, and I feel good. But then the rhythm goes on and on and on 
I examine the notch and it looks like one of those asymptotic curves in sophomore geometry. The ones that get maddeningly close to the axis but never reach it. Now my arms are aching. The axe feels like a lead club and the blade seems like it wouldn't cut a pumpkin. Maybe there is something wrong with this axe. <laughs> It is ridiculously easy to cut through the tree with a chainsaw. The saber-toothed chain screams through the wood and spits sawdust out of the deepening cut like snow in a blizzard. I tell the boys to stand back, expecting the hickory to crack off and fall to the ground. But it doesn't. Sliced completely through. It continues to stand there. Like a stubborn old man. Peter turns to me and says, what would Thoreau do? I guess we'd better get some professional help. No, come on, Dad, we can do this. It's just about to go, I can feel it. Yeah, Dad, you're the one who always says we should finish what we start. They're right. If you go out to chop down a tree, you chop down a tree. Peter says, I've got an idea. Under ordinary circumstances, I would never try to pull down a tree with my wife's new VW Beetle. But since she took my car for the day, I had no choice. We tie one end of a yellow nylon rope around the obstinate hickory and the other around the beetle's bumper. Since the rope is 50 feet long and the tree looks less than 50 feet tall, I figure everything's okay as I jump in the driver's seat. Thoreau would be proud of you, Dad. I tell them to move way back, and when they're safely removed, I start the engine. I shift into low gear and ease forward. The rope tightens. The engine groans. But the hickory doesn't budge. I knew it wouldn't work, Andrew says. I give it a little more gas. Pulling the yellow rope so taut it practically turns white. And now the tree is groaning right along with the beetle. Let me try, Peter shouts. And he doesn't even have a driver's license. <laughs> have you ever tried to get a stuck lid off a pickle jar? You try and you try and you try. And then just before it gives, you let somebody else try. And they get it easily. I wasn't going to hand this tree over like it was some pickle jar. I gun the engine one last time. There's a pop like a gunshot and the beetle leaps forward, throws itself over the crown of the road and scurries down into the ditch on the other side. I glance in the rearview mirror and see the tree plunging towards me, wagging the yellow rope behind it like a suicidal kite. Now, 
you're probably thinking that the beetle was smashed and dented by sharp hickory limbs. Most people have never been up in the top of a tree, in or out of a car. See, they wouldn't know that the little tiny leaf buds up there are as soft and delicate as feathers. So instead of getting scratched and dented, my wife's car just got a good dusting off. It's completely silent. When I look out the window, all I can see is green. I hear rustling leaves and branches being separated, and suddenly the boys are knocking on my window. When I roll it down, Andrew sticks his head in. Just remember, Dad, how you do anything is how you do everything. That was Larry Kearns. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and Red Kiva, or one of our upcoming special events. This October, we're in Portland and Washington State on the 8th, 9th, and 10th, Straw Dog Theater on the 23rd, and Victory Gardens on the 25th. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I'm Megan Steelstra. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Art Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com.